This is the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Now, with today's Caribbean News headlines, here's Keisha Wallace. This podcast is brought to you by Let'sTalkIdeas.org, your budget-friendly custom design firm in Diamond Key Marina, British Virgin Islands. Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. More bills for Guyana as ExxonMobil signs new contract for subsea exploration services. Environmental group sues U.S. to stop Puerto Rico dredging plan. Trinidad and Tobago, Guyana collaborate to make trade easier. Antigua signs agreement with China for 100 150 turnkey housing units. Dual hub approach suggested to ensure efficiency of new LIET. Jamaican-born former U.S. Senator gets Lifetime Achievement Award. And Haitian-American judge nominated for New York Supreme Court seat. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, August 19th. We start a report today in Guyana. Crowder News reports that Norwegian Marine Seismic Survey Company Magsize Fairfield has signed a 14-month contract with ExxonMobil subsidiary SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited for a large ocean bottom node project that will be conducted offshore Guyana in the country's lucrative Straper block. The company made the announcement on Wednesday. Magsize in a public statement said that the project is expected to be conducted using their Explor technology and lasts for a minimum of 14 months. Maxize did not provide information on the project's cost in accordance with Article 7 of the European Union Market Abuse Regulation and is subject to disclosure requirements pursuant to Section 512 of the Norwegian Securities Trading Act. Maxize described itself as riding the book on ocean bottom node technology, with their system having been successfully deployed in the world's most challenging environments, from ultra-deep water to shallow transition zones, subsalt even onshore and urban areas. Max size now falls within a large number of oil and gas sector operators being selected by the offshore oil operators to provide various services regarding the budding sector. According According to the report, while the work of the company is necessary to develop the oil resources, contention remains that Guyana is liable for the billions of field development costs the oil companies incur, but has no say where the sums are concerned. ExxonMobil and partners are proud of the record speed at which the oil reserves are being developed, but stakeholders such as the World Bank and the Inter-American Development Bank have warned about Guyana's capacity to oversee and manage the sector. Of concern is ensuring that the country can protect its profits by managing costs incurred. In other words, Guyana has been advised to pay keen attention to the bills that the Exxon Consortium is handing over since all invested sums towards the development of the oil resources can be recovered by Exxon as an expense. The Hill reports that climate groups have sued the U.S. federal government in an effort to stop a dredging project in Puerto Rico's San Juan Bay. A lawsuit was filed in Washington, D.C.'s district court earlier this week by El Puente, Correlations and the Center for Biological Diversity against the U.S. Army Corps of Engineer. 
The project aims to expand the San Juan Bay shipping channel for large vessels. Widening the port would involve dredging and disposing of more than 2 million cubic yards of sediment from the bay's floor, according to a statement from the plaintiffs. In the lawsuit, the Conservation and Climate Group argued that the corps failed to prepare an environmental impact statement analyzing the effects of tankers and a new terminal for liquefied natural gas on neighboring communities and wildlife. Thousands of people who live in the adjacent neighborhoods in Cantano and Guanabo were not properly notified of the project, the plaintiffs said. The lawsuit will bring justice closer to environmental justice communities located on the southwest part of the San Juan Bay. These communities of Cantano and Guanabo have fought and dealt for years with the systemic placement of power plants and fuel terminals, which places a disproportionate burden on these disadvantaged communities whose population is primarily composed of minorities said Federico Cintron Mucoso, director of El Puente, in a statement. Under the law, 40% of Puerto Rico's electricity must come from renewable energy by 2025 and 100% by 2050. Catherine Kilduff, a senior attorney at the Center for Biological Diversity, said, By deepening the shipping channel for fossil fuel imports, this project also deepens the climate crisis. She said the Corps' plan to dredge San Juan Bay is a disaster for corals and wildlife that inhabit the sensitive estuary and for Puerto Rico's plan to transition to renewable energy. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that Trinidad and Tobago's Prime Minister and Guyana's President, Dr. Mohamed Ephraim Ali, have committed to working together to make trade easier among CARICOM member states. One of the ways they plan to do so is by reducing the many non-tariff barriers which stand in the way of production. Dr. Roli and Ali said a task force has been developed to standardize and define policies for trade. At a news conference after bilateral talks on trade, transport, energy, and agriculture, explained that the non-tariff barriers, restrictions on trade outside of tariff systems, will undermine CARICOM's goal of creating an efficient single market and economy, if not controlled. He said in many cases, policies to protect countries are used to limit or reject goods, which could be traded. The meeting and subsequent news conference was part of Ali's three-day state visit to Trinidad and Tobago, where he was expected to tour industrial sites and participate in Trinidad and Tobago's Agri-Investment Forum and Expo, being held Friday to Sunday. In May, a memorandum of understanding was signed between Raleigh and Ali to identify and eliminate non-tariff barriers between Trinidad and Tobago and Guyana. Antigua Newsroom reports that on Thursday, August 18, Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda Gaston Brown, on behalf of the government of Antigua and Barbuda, signed the official Booby Alley Social Housing Project Agreement with the People's Republic of China. Through the Housing Project Agreement, the government of Antigua and Barbuda and the Chinese government agreed to construct 150 turnkey modality units. According to Prime Minister Brown, today is a very historic day, a very important one as we 
signed the exchange of notes between the government of Antigua and Barbuda and the People's Republic of China to signify an agreement between both countries for the development of 150 two-bedroom properties at the Booby Alley area in Point. It is the first phase of a housing project which will span to other areas. PM Brown noted that this project is taking the ongoing housing revolution to the next level. The Antigua Observer reports that it has been suggested that the newly formed Virgin of Liette establish two hubs as a potential measure to ensure the carrier's operations are efficient as possible. Antigua and Barbuda Information Minister Melford Nicholas said, I think based on what has been observed and what we have learned over the past seven to ten years, perhaps the best fit is to have two hubs in the Caribbean for an expanded sub-regional carrier. Nicholas was asked during the post-cabinet medium briefing whether Antigua and Barbuda's government would be willing to consider relocating Liat 2020's primary base to Barbados, as was suggested and explored a couple years ago with Liat 1974 Limited as a move to stabilize the airline's finances. Back then, it was proposed that relocating to Barbados would allow the carrier to benefit more from a lucrative Southern Caribbean travel market. Clearly, when they made that move of much aircrafts into Barbados to make realization of the natural hub there, what they had in fact done was reduce the availability of airlift on the northern side of the Caribbean. For example, from Antigua acting as a hub to get into the Virgin Islands and even to St. Martin and Puerto Rico as important shopping destinations for persons or perhaps even getting to the Dominican Republic, where there has been a significant travel flow between residents here who have family, friends, and historical ties to the Dominican Republic. Those markets have not been served well as a result of the movement that took place in the latter stages of Liat 1970s. Limited, Nicholas explained. The minister noted that there is a gap in service in the Northern Caribbean, also hinting that Barbados and Antigua and Barbuda could potentially play a major role in the new Liat going forward. It is clear that there is market opportunity on the Northern side of the Caribbean, which was not served well within the past 10 years in defense to the larger number of persons who are moving in to the Southern Caribbean, especially to include Guyana. The Antigua and Barbuda government is moving ahead with its efforts to build out LIAT 2020, having commenced a recruitment of staff and considering various proposals to maintain efficiency, including the application of minimum revenue guarantees. These plans have also been boosted after a decision was finally reached by Liat 1974 Limited shareholding governments, Antigua and Barbuda, Dominica, Barbados, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines, to liquidate the long-struggling airline. 721 News reports that Caribbean Airlines is happy to return as the official airlines of the Hero Caribbean Premier League's T20 Cricket Tournament carded to take place August 31st to September 30th. 
The airline last partnered with CPL in 2019 and is delighted to come on board once again as the designated airline carrier keen to reconnect the region through cricket. The Caribbean Premier League is an annual T20 cricket tournament that simultaneously offers fans in the region a unique carnival-like festive experience. This year, there are four host countries for the 2022 league: Saint Kitts and Nevis, Saint Lucia, Trinidad, and Guyana, where the finals will be played. Caribbean Airlines further congratulates the CPL franchise on celebrating their 10th anniversary and applauds their efforts in building. A tremendous legacy around this great sport, which many fans across the region cherish and enjoy. Jamaica Information Service reports that Jamaican-born Shirley Nathan Pulliam, who is a former Maryland senator, has been honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award by the Jamaica Association of Maryland at a gala celebrating Jamaica's 68th year of independence held in Baltimore on Saturday, August 13. Mrs. Nathaniel Pulliam was recognized for 20 years of service in the Maryland House of Delegates and five years in the Maryland Senate. Elected to the Maryland House of Delegates in 1994, Mrs. Nathan Pulliam was the first Jamaican-born and first Caribbean person to ascend to the Maryland General Assembly in its over 300-year history. Born in South Trelawney, Mrs. Nathan Pulliam, a nurse by profession, grew up in Kingston, where she attended Miko Teachers College, now the Miko University College. She emigrated to the United States. Where she distinguished herself in the field of healthcare before turning to politics in 1994. Also recognized by the Jamaican Association of Maryland was Dr. Basil Buchanan, who was presented with the prestigious Marcus Garvey Award for his over 42 years of providing invaluable support to the Jamaican community in the Washington D.C., Maryland, Virginia area and the Jamaican Embassy. Among the list of accomplishments is successfully working to. Get legislation passed for the establishment of a permanent office of Caribbean affairs in the government of the District of Columbia, a first in the nation. And finally, the Saint Kitts Nevis Observer reports that Haitian American civil court judge Dwani E. Paul says she's humbled to be officially nominated among 12 judges to run for the Kings County Brooklyn Democratic Party's line in the 2022 election for open bench seats in New York State Supreme Court. I am filled with humility and gratitude by the Supreme Court nomination, Judge Paul said. Judge Paul, the first person of Haitian American descent to be elected civil court judge in the state of New York, the Brooklyn resident was elected a Kings County civil court judge in 2015. The party said in a statement that the judicial convention, which took place at Marine Park Golf Course in southern Brooklyn, was a success. With delegates engaged in a fair and transparent process, the convention followed the executive committee's meeting, where the district leaders met and endorsed the party's slate. The slate of 12 judicial candidates will now appear in the November general elections. Judge Paul attended State University of New York, 
Stonebrook University, where she obtained a dual Bachelor of Arts degree in political science and social science, with a minor in child and family studies. She completed her Master of Arts degree in public policy at SUNY and graduated from George Washington University Law School in Washington, D.C., where she received her Juris Doctorate degree. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulseofthecaribbean.com. And to share information on upcoming events, email events at pulseofthecaribbean.com. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, August 19th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news.